Hello, I'm Neil Quigley and welcome to the latest episode of my podcast featuring my Glastonbury Backstage Weekend, carrying a pop star at a fireworks event, my first ever radio interview, meeting some other interesting people, dancing to a well-known 80s band while they were on stage and as it's approaching the spring and we're heading towards summer, a few wedding stories for you. All on the way in this week's podcast. Thanks for listening. Enjoy. So there isn't any Glastonbury this year. It's a rest year, which they sometimes do every few years, just to give the farm in Pilton the chance to recover and give the dairy cows that live there for the rest of the year just a chance to have a whole year at their home with no disruption. When I was living in Somerset and working at a radio station down there, I did manage to get Glastonbury tickets one year. Me and one of the newsreaders, we actually got backstage passes for the whole weekend. I'd been watching Glastonbury on the TV for years before and I'd actually been down in Somerset for a couple of years when the festival was already happening but didn't actually get along to it. Heard about it, watched it, never got there. So I was very excited to finally get the chance to go there and experience it for myself. It's only about a 20-25 minute drive from where I live to the festival site. We were very excited and couldn't wait. So we actually got there on the Thursday evening and arrived, got into the car park, which is just huge, by the way. You can't believe how big the car parks are. And it's quite a walk from the car park to the campsite. We had to pick up our backstage passes on site as well. So there's a bit of queuing. There's a media area we had to go to, sign ourselves in and get all our passes. The Access All Areas Pass was basically a purple and rainbow wristband. Now, it was only at this point on collecting our wristbands, we actually found that that enabled us to camp in the backstage area, which was amazing news. If you haven't been to the festival, obvious thing to say, but the site is massive. So it took us quite a while to walk from our signing area to actually get to the backstage area where we could put up our tent. It meant lugging a lot of stuff a long way. Happily, it is quite easy to locate the backstage area at Glastonbury because it's basically bang smack in the middle of the two stages, the pyramid stage and the other stage, the two main stages there. Even in the backstage camping area, it was already getting pretty busy, so there wasn't many places left to pitch a tent, so we managed to find a bit of space and got the tent up quickly. As we were putting the tent up, we got our first celebrity spot of the weekend. Just over the way, also putting the tent up, were all the Geldof girls. And to be fair, the way they were putting the tent up, they're clearly more seasoned campers than me and my friend were. Once the tent was up, it made sense to go and explore our surroundings. So what we found was, not far from the campsite, there was actually a special bar, a backstage bar, which we had access to. It also did a bit of food there as well. Absolutely perfect. Really nice, cool place to chill out. Had a nice outside area to sit and eat and drink as well. Really cool. Even better than that, it was placed literally right in the middle of the two main stages, the pyramid stage and the other stage, with a pathway to take you to both. So you could actually, and I did, watch half a set on, say, the other stage, then walk through the backstage area, past the bar, back out to the pyramid stage, and watch the second half of the set from the band playing on the pyramid stage, which I did on a couple of occasions. It was brilliant. It was a glorious summer's evening when we arrived, so once we got the tent up and had a quick look around to work out where we were and familiarise ourselves with our surroundings, we did what you must do when it's sunny at a festival in Somerset. We went and found some cider. So there's a couple of bites of cider as we're having a good walk around the site, checking out as many different places as we can, while the place is not completely busy yet. Lots of people are there already, they get there early, some get there as early as the Wednesday, but it's really the Friday morning that the place really fills up. None of the main stages are going on the Thursday night, but some of the smaller areas do have like clubs and bars sort of areas where music is going on and there are a few discos. We did manage to find some music as we were wandering around and having a few drinks and again just settling in, working out where we were, working out where we wanted to go to. 
Now, the thing with Glastonbury is it is so big, you can't possibly see everything you want to see. So there's two ways of attacking it. You can get, obviously, a full list of exactly who's playing where at what time. Carefully mark that out, plan to do that, and work out how you get between the areas, which obviously, because it's so big, if they're vast areas apart, you're going to miss a load of stuff while you're walking between stuff. That's one way of doing it. Or you could just randomly spend the entire Glastonbury Festival wandering around from stage to stage and just taking it ad hoc, whatever you see, whatever you come across, and enjoy that. We did have a loose basic plan. There were certain bands and certain acts we both wanted to see, so we kind of came to some sort of agreement that we'd see as many as we could. Before bed on the first night, it was rude not to go back into what we called the star bar, which was the backstage bar, just to see who we could spot. One person who was in there and was definitely standing out. Do you remember the band Towers of London and Donny Tourette? Well, he was in there and he was wearing his dark glasses. It's about 10 o'clock at night. It's inside in a bar. There was a few other recognisable faces around there, but he was the only one wearing dark glasses inside. And yes, he did look as big an idiot as I think you imagined he did. Got some sleep and then got up on the Friday. Very excited. My first full day at the proper Glastonbury Festival. The music kicks off around about half 11 midday. So the editors were the first band on. Didn't see them, but heard them playing from the tent area where we were getting ready. The first band we wanted to see who were actually on at midday on the Friday were the Waterboys. Great band, love their stuff, although they did something that I think you shouldn't be allowed to do at Glastonbury. If you're playing a big festival at Glastonbury, the people who come to see you, they just want to see your big hits. They don't really want to see you plug the new album, plug the new single, do brand new material. They're coming there to celebrate music and celebrate songs and tunes that they know. So I'm standing there enjoying the Waterboys set and they're doing a great job, sounding absolutely fantastic. Gets to the end of their set and they haven't played one particular song. So I'm thinking, okay, well, maybe they're going to come back on, do a quick encore, and then they'll do that song. Nope, that was it. They ended, went off stage. They didn't play Hole of the Moon. How can you not do that? That's got to be their most played song on the radio, probably their most familiar song. Couldn't believe it. The Waterboys didn't play Hole of the Moon when I saw them at Glastonbury. I was fairly gutted about that, to be honest. The rest of the day was just spent wandering around as you do, catching various bands, having a few drinks, having a bite to eat. All very good, all very civilised. More celebrity spots as the weekend goes on. The backstage area fills up, so we've already seen milling about backstage. Stephen Merchant was there. Daro Breen was about. Mark Owen was there being lovely, just chatting to everybody. Will Young was hanging out backstage at Glastonbury as well. So it was all great fun. Really enjoyed it. It was great camping backstage as well, because as I said, it meant we could get between the two main stages. So in the evening, we caught some Bjork, caught the Killers. Uh, also playing was Amy Winehouse was there that weekend. Lily Allen was on stage. The Kaiser Chiefs, The Who, they were all there. In fact, The Who headlined Glastonbury that year. The afternoon act was the wonderful Shirley Bassey, who came on stage wearing some silver wellies. She looked stunning. Silver wellies and an evening dress. It's an odd look, but it kind of works at Glastonbury. Talking of odd outfits, I'm a big fan of Lily Allen and she was playing and I made sure I saw her set I like her music I like her so I went and saw her set and after her set I was up backstage in the star bar area and I saw her walk past so after she finished on stage she came back obviously to meet some friends and family she did walk right past me at one point but the thing that stuck out to me she was wearing this amazing jacket she was wearing a Muppet Babies jacket which I've not seen before or since Muppet Babies big cartoon when I was a kid clearly I guess when she was a kid as well had all the Muppet Baby characters on it very brightly colored looked great now i thought that was a fairly odd outfit and then as she walked back past me from where she'd been she bumped into her dad and her dad no word of a lie was wearing a giant mushroom outfit 
I'm not kidding. It was wandering around all day wearing a giant mushroom outfit. But one slight regret is when Lily did walk past me, I did want to say hi. I did want to speak to her, but I didn't in the end. I just sort of smiled at her, looked at her and just let her walk straight past. Later in the weekend, Pete Doherty was playing on one of the stages. It was at the time when he was dating the model Kate Moss. And I did actually see them walk past us at one point as well. You'd be unsurprised to hear she could carry off the camping look of shorts and boots very well. Looked very stunning and elegant in a field. It being Glastonbury that weekend, it was sunny when we arrived, but we did have a fair amount of rain over the weekend because that's what seems to happen at that festival. And it did make the place an absolute mud bath. It was absolutely horrendous at one point on one of those trying to get around. No word of a lie, there were certain points where the mud would go halfway up your wellies and it was just an absolute pain to get around. Typically, it was on the date we decided to do the most exploring. There was a couple of comedians on in the left field tent that I wanted to see. So I managed to get across to that and they were fantastic. Saw Ed Burns and Marcus Brigstock do their stuff. They were absolutely brilliant, very funny. It was worth the trek across the mud, but it was hard work getting around. And it is great fun. Everything is fantastic there. The atmosphere is great. The food's quite nice. Although sometimes it's not necessarily a place if you're a bit claustrophobic or not good with crowds. There are certain points when people are trying to move around the site where you do get a little bit pinned in. You can't sort of go anywhere sometimes. It can take ages to get around and you're just sort of stood there almost trapped in amongst a load of people. Similarly, when you're watching the bands as well, because everybody gets in nice and close to watch the bands, it can get a bit tight. I watched a couple of the bands, including the Manic Street Preachers, from right at the front. I mean, it was was fantastic the view was great the sound was great it was wonderful but it does get a bit tight and a bit squashed if you're right near the front so it was an absolutely fantastic weekend i loved being backstage at glassbury and getting to hang out saw all the radio one presenters they were there uh, they were hanging in the bar between work and saw them walking around and getting stuff ready quite a bit which was cool i did a little bit of broadcast on the radio as well I did a few reports back to the radio station just to sort of justify the weekend off and justify the fact that you know my boss had let me go there so we could just hang out and enjoy ourselves at glassbury basically as i said the who were headlining we stayed to watch the who set we'd already packed up our tent before they started so we got straight off and was home from glassbury after seeing the headline act about half an hour later and in my own bed, which after spending three nights sleeping in a tent, I was more than ready for my own bed, to be fair. I did enjoy the Glastonbury experience, though. I actually managed to go back again the following year, but just for the Sunday afternoon. I got like an afternoon pass, again backstage, so I managed to pop into the Star Bar as well. That was great, because it meant I could actually go and see Neil Diamond perform, who was fantastic. He was doing the oldie headline slot that year. But it is a fantastic experience. I would love to go and do Glastonbury again. Hopefully next year, when it returns, I might see if I can get myself down there. But the thing is, having done it with a backstage pass and been backstage i'll be honest i wouldn't want to do it any other way than that way talking about music events when i worked at mix 96 in elmsbury well actually when i first started working there they used to do a big fireworks event in aston clinton every single year at the elmsbury rugby club and usually there was some musical entertainment and the first year i was kind of helping out with it we had some fantastic acts on we had fierce on do you remember them they did a cover of sweet love by Anita Baker, which was quite a big song. So Fierce were coming down. They were going to be our headline act. We also had the brilliant soul singer Kim Mazel come down. She was going to come and sing a few songs. She was lovely. She was fantastic. As ever with these things, the weather was atrocious. The weather was awful. It had been teeming it down with rain all day. We were in a field which was basically so, so muddy. And the only way to get up to the stage, we had a nice high stage, but basically you had to climb a ladder to get up there. So poor old Kim Mazel, uh, she turned up dressed beautifully in a stunning dress. She's got six-inch heels on, which basically if she tries to walk 
to the stage across the mud. She is just going to end up sinking into the ground and just going to have to sing from behind the stage. So in the end, about three or four of us ended up carrying Kim Mazel from the dressing room to the stage across the mud. We kind of had her on our shoulders. We got her to the stage and fair play to her. She was laughing, joking, not diverish at all except the situation she was absolutely brilliant then we got to the stage in the heels she had to clamber up the ladder to get on stage which she did fantastically and she was brilliant belted out her two songs got down the ladder when she'd finished and we carried her back to the dressing room it was an eventful night always fun nights those firework nights the first celebrity radio interview I ever did took place at Ivel FM and it was with the brilliant Tony Hadley. He'd written his autobiography, new book out, it was about promoting that, so he was doing a bit of a tour of radio stations, so he came in to see us, I think before he was doing a book signing in Yeovil, but he was fantastic, he was great fun, so easy to talk to, so nice, good sense of humour, you can have a bit of a laugh with him, I did loads of research and we had a great time, and to give you some idea of how long ago that interview was, I still have a copy of the interview, but it is on cassette. Yeah, I still got it on cassette. That's how long ago it was. Weirdly, I bumped into him a couple of times since because he now lives near me. He now lives in Buckinghamshire. So occasionally I've seen him in the fish and chip shop. I've also seen him at the Ellsby Waterside Theatre a couple of times as well. Top fella, top bloke, and my first ever celebrity radio interview, which I thank him for making it so easy for me. It was absolutely a joy to talk to. While we're talking about interesting and fascinating people that I have interviewed, also on a book tour when she came to Yeovil, I got to interview the brilliant Susie Quattro. And she has had an amazing life and an amazing career. Just fantastic. From starting out in a band with her sisters, so she ended up playing the bass and becoming an amazing bass player and singer-performer, and she outshone easily the rest of the band. And of course, even better than that, you kind of forget, she was actually in Happy Days for quite some time. She played Fonz's girlfriend in Happy Days for a bit as well. Fantastic lady. Really interesting as well. Quite deep, quite spiritual, fascinating to talk to. I did really love talking to her she was really nice came in again super friendly super lovely just rocked up on her own we did the interview she was lovely and she even gave me a signed copy of her book with a special message to me in it which was lovely and fantastic she is just a great woman and was a joy to meet and to talk to Working in radio does lead you ended up at some rather unusual musical events. When I was working again in Yeovil, we teamed up with another radio station in Somerset. I think we called it Concert on a Hill because it was a concert held on a hill. And it was an interesting mix of acts, really. There was a, a Robbie Williams tribute was on the bill. We also had Linda's Farm. They were there. Buck's Fizz, or one of the variations of Buck's Fizz, and also headlining the whole event were the bootleg Beatles. The radio station was involved in promoting the concert and selling tickets to get people along there. And then on the day, we went up and did some interviews and did some broadcasting. It was a good fun day. We were lucky with the weather. It just about held. It just about stayed dry because the last thing you wanted was wind and rain, especially when you're stuck up a big hill. I think possibly my favourite moment from that day, I found myself at the front of the stage while Buck's Fizz were performing and when they did Land of Make-Believe, what I found was, somehow, I could instantly remember all the dance moves. Probably wouldn't have seen a video of them doing that for years, but as the song came on, I remembered all the moves. So it was quite weird. Bucks Fizz on stage right in front of me, doing the Land of Make-Believe dance. Me standing right in front of them, doing exactly the same thing. Didn't miss a beat. I mean, if they do need to change the memories again of Bucks Fizz, I'm just putting my hat in the ring there. I know all the dance routines. Wouldn't be a problem. 
And it was the first time I saw the bootleg Beatles, who are just amazing. They come in their own tour bus and they had an orchestra with them as well. It was stunning stuff. When they do the Sgt. Pepper stuff, it is absolutely amazing. Sounds fantastic on stage. I know they're still touring all over the place as well. If you want to hear an interview with one of the bootleg Beatles, last week's podcast features my interview with Andre Barrow, who used to be George Harrison in the band. So that's worth a listen if you fancy that. So the weather is improving, summer is on the way, so it's kind of wedding season. I remember my mate's wedding, I was one of the ushers, and basically what happened was we had a fantastic day, it was all organised, it was all nicely done, and we were obviously, me being one of the ushers and another mate of mine who was the best man, we were in charge of obviously getting the groom there, sorting him out, making sure everything was right, and we did a great job, everything we were aware of, we made happen, it all ran pretty smoothly, we'd done a fantastic job. However, there was one thing that we weren't aware of that he had to remember one thing the groom had to remember and basically he completely forgot and didn't remember absolutely any of it the only thing he needed to remember was to take the presents for the ushers and the best man and the bridesmaid so he needed to bring all the presents with him they were with him of course we didn't know that because they were supposed to be a surprise for us so we couldn't remind him because we didn't know just as we got to the wedding venue we'd done everything everything was on time we're about to get into the church next we just had to go to drop some stuff off at the reception ready at that point he suddenly remembers that he's supposed to have picked up those presents and admits it to us we look at our watches there's no way we've got time to get back to the house pick up those presents and get back to have him at the church in time for his own wedding so we basically decide it's fine we weren't bored we were fine me and my mate were fine Everybody else who was the ushers and the bridesmaids, we knew they'd understand. But he was a little bit concerned, my mate, because he knew that his wife was not going to be happy because that's pretty much the only thing he was meant to do. The one thing he was meant to do was remember to pick up those presents. It's the one thing we didn't remind him to do because we didn't know he was supposed to do it. That's all he had to remember. So all the way through the ceremony and obviously through most of the reception, he's thinking he's going to have to tell her at some point. And obviously during the wedding breakfast, that's the point he has to tell her that he hasn't got the presents because obviously as the speeches arrive, she'll be expecting him to hand out gifts, etc, etc. What happened was, and he knew this was going to come, they basically had just got married and ended up having their first midi row during the wedding breakfast that's got to be some sort of record it was all fine by the way she completely forgave him very quickly and we had a fantastic day talking of weddings i am very proud of the fact that i actually once opened a wedding shop it was when i was working down in somerset and we were approached at the radio station by kind of a friend of the station and initially my boss was asked if he could open the shop but he wasn't available so he kind of passed it on to me which I'm delighted to do I know the lady in question I'd met her before who was just opening this shop we'd done some work with her through mutual friends and it was all very organised she's a lovely lady so it ended up it was being opened on a Saturday morning so I drove over there on a Saturday morning they had a cameraman from the local papers there journalists from the local papers there it was all very exciting nice little crowd gathered as well and I actually got to do that brilliant thing of cutting a ribbon with the scissors it was a fantastic feeling I gave a very short and I thought good speech and yet cut the ribbon and declared the wedding shop open and happily it is still open and doing very well today I do now think if I do ever get married that is the place I would have to get my wedding outfit from I think although Ilminster is quite a drive from where I live currently but it would be worth it yeah so I actually once got to open a shop and there was a picture of me cutting the ribbon in the local paper I mean that's something ticked off the tick list isn't it that's things you need to do if you work in radio open a shop done tick Neil Quigley that's it for this week thank you very much for listening have a fantastic seven days be nice to each other stay safe have fun and I'll speak to you next week thanks bye